What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, Bitcoin? Hello everyone, welcome back to On The Ledger. This is your host Mol Sayed. Hope you're all doing well as we're back once again on your weekly rendezvous from Paris. Today, I'm excited to dive into the world of staking and the wide area of opportunities it brings to organizations and enterprises. Blockchain staking is a fascinating innovation if you think about it. As an investor, you can participate in the operations of the network, guarantee its decentralization and get rewarded for your contributions. Quite the opportunity. As a matter of fact, the staking industry is expected to be worth $40 billion by 2025. With such potential, there is no shortage of staking solutions currently available on the market. But one critical question arises. How can you stake securely? The answer is simple. You need to retain full ownership of your keys. And that's why Ledger partnered with Kiln in Q4 of last year to offer its users the ability to stake ETH directly in Ledger Live from within the security of their Ledger device. But what about corporations? How can staking opportunities be combined with enterprise-grade security and governance? That's exactly what we'll be exploring today with Alex Zinder, Global Head of Ledger Enterprise, and Laszlo Zabo, Co-Founder and CEO at Kiln. Gentlemen, glad to have you on the show. How are you feeling today? Feeling great. Thanks for having us, Mo. Yeah, feeling great as well. Um, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. I mean, Laszlo, I would love to set the table here for the, you know, people who are listening to us who might not be very familiar with Kiln. So could you give us a quick overview of Kiln and its native staking solution? Um, also, you know, explaining a little bit more how uh, native staking differs from other solutions that are currently available on the market. Right. Um, <clears throat> so Kiln is, is the European leader um, in staking. We build diff- different products. Uh, we run validators, but we, we also build uh, aggregators that uh, companies like Ledger um, can uh, offer staking using different uh, validator provider in the back end uh, because you know the, the only risk of, of staking is slashing and it, it usually sits at the, the, the provider, the validator provider level. And staking, yeah, um, staking is the, we call it the internet bond. So it's, we think it's the most um, secure, um, transparent first yield in, in crypto in any proof of stake um, chains. And the concept is you take your asset, so let's say ETH, um, you bond it, um, collateralize it on, on a validator, and in exchange you, you, you validate transaction, um, and for doing this work, in exchange you get um, a yield that is coming from the inflation of the protocol, so every new uh, Ethereum that are being created um, uh, every year, um, and, and the fees of the network. So everyone you know using the network, uh, NFTs, MEV, um, will um, send fees back to the to the stakers, the one that um, can have validated the transactions. Uh, so that's what staking is. Staking is not DeFi. It's really important to mention. Um, it can become DeFi when uh, you create a derivative on top. Uh, we call it liquid staking. So it's a token. Um, the beauty of staking, it's, a, it's an amazing yield, but um, often it's a non-liquid, or at least it's non-liquid for a certain period of time. Um, and... What liquid staking is bringing uh, is, is a token that allows you to um, be liquid instantly. Um, so it, let's say you stake one ETH, you get one liquid staking token in return that is supposed to, to worth um, one ETH. 
Um, and with this one liquid staking token, you can sell it um, on secondary market, so you be liquid, or you can use it um, in the rest of DeFi, um, um, in, in Aave, Compound, Curve, and you can stack um, <clears throat> your yields. So in that sense, liquid staking becomes the first um, uh, product of DeFi, the first uh, DeFi yield. Um, um, so yeah, that's that's the main difference. Um, that's amazing, and I'll try to unpack a little bit more uh, what, what you just said here because there are so many like different interesting elements that that we need to dive into. So first of all, we all agree staking is a way for any user to be able to participate in the network, participate in decentralization and security, and get rewarded uh, in the form of yield. Um, so that's currently about four or five percent in Ethereum, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe maybe slightly more. Um, and the question that people might ask is, why do we need Kiln? Why, you know, can't someone just go and, and stake by themselves? So first, you need Kiln or other companies to run the validators themselves. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's it, it's a stack that we deployed in, in cloud providers um, so that when you, you stake your assets, uh, there are actually um, uh, staked or collateralized bonds on the validator itself. And mm -hmm. we doing... Um, the the work of validating the transaction by signing the blocks. Um, so that's work that, that needs to be done by engineers, uh, DevOps, cloud engineers. Uh, second, the, the product we created with Ledger um, was much more than just running the validators. It's it's a fully automated, non-custodial way of staking ETH um, mm -hmm. so that you can stake now batches of 32 ETH in the future, any amounts. And then the rewards, um, so that the, the user um, keeps his rewards, Ledger and, and, and Kiln as a company uh, takes a commission as well, is done completely on-chain uh, in a non-custodial manner to stay very close to uh, Ledger philosophy. So actually Kiln simplifies the staking process for uh, the average user who doesn't necessarily have the engineering uh, knowledge in order to run their own validator, which is basically like a computer that validates certain blocks and, and keeps track of the ledger. Makes sense. Yeah, quite AZ. a bit. Yeah, let me jump in here because I was, I was listening to, uh, to Laszlo and he's incredibly knowledgeable in the space and uh, he really understands the crypto native aspects of, of staking and proof of stake and, and DeFi. So it's, it's really, to me, fascinating to see how somebody with that level of knowledge uh, around the emerging crypto ecosystem and, and, and DeFi describes some of these concepts. And I think it's also interesting to highlight, we've seen that there's been a lot of regulatory noise and concerns around staking in the recent past. Uh, and it's very important to highlight a couple different pieces. So I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a traditional financial outlook and unpack some of the terms that Laszlo uses very, uh, uh, very well. Uh, so it's very important to understand that when we say bond, right, uh, in the traditional financial sense, uh, that is a known term for a financial instrument, right, that is able to generate yield in return for you to allocate your assets or letting somebody borrow your assets towards a productive outcome. Right. So bonds are generally long term investments. Everybody knows, you know, treasuries are bonds. Right. You can you can create bonds to fund very long term, large scale uh, utility projects like energy grids, for example. Uh, and it's a it's a very purpose built financial instrument that is quite widely used and, and very productive in the traditional financial sense. But it's also important to understand that when when we use the word bond in the context of staking uh, and in the context of crypto, right, 
all we're saying and all Laszlo is saying is that this is a technical bond, right? So you're doing a technical, creating a technical instruction on a distributed network, which is a proof of stake network that allows that network to leverage your assets to protect itself, right? Empower its own operation. Uh, and that's the, you know, that's the basic premise around proof of stake. Uh, and the, the network is designed in such a way where it offers financial incentives for people that are interested in participating in the operation of that network. Uh, this is how it works. So it's very important to distinguish the technical aspect from the financial aspect. Uh, and I think it's also very important to understand that the existence of somebody like Kill and the reason why Ledger uh, made decisions to create joint offering stores or retail and uh, institutional audiences around staking is that I think we're, we're aligned with Laszlo and, and the Kill team that staking is a technical capability, right? And as long as we are in a position to offer it as a technical capability with self-custody, right? And with DeFi type functionality, right? Where you're not introducing another financial entity to pool assets, to manipulate assets, uh, where you're basically creating a fully technical, secure governance-based solution to offer uh, users, be that retail users or institutional users, to commit their assets to the protection uh, and operation of a specific network, right? And generate rewards as a result of that, also without an intermediary, right? This is a, a DeFi-based crypto-native solution that does not require a financial um, you know, a, a financial structure mm -hmm. behind it. Uh, and that is a very important distinction. And this is really why we're, we're kind of moving in this direction and we're working with the partners that we're working with, with, with Ledger. Uh, the critical piece here to understand is that if you stake with self-custody, where you still own the keys and you still own the assets and you stake with a provider like Kiln that has the full technical capabilities to be able to properly do this on any network because the rules are varied and in mm -hmm. some cases quite complex, but do it in a, in a technical way where you're interacting with a smart contract and you're using all the right rules of the network, uh, then you will avoid running into regulatory challenges of uh, what happened with uh, Kraken, for example, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because there is no person or company in the middle creating the pooling and manipulating your assets on your behalf. And I think this is important also to know that this applies to both retail users, you know, ledger users, not your keys, not your coins, uh, and institutional users. So mm -hmm. self-custody as the concept also applies on the institutional side. Uh, mm -hmm. And ledger also offers custody solutions to companies and large organizations and institutions that enable them to stake with self-custody without introducing an intermediary. Uh, and Kiln is extremely well positioned to offer the low level technical network functions, uh, fully automated and fully technical to provide non-custodial staking capabilities, both individuals, right? Smaller sizes, larger frequency, more scale and institutional. That makes a lot of sense. 
Thanks for clarifying, AZ. And I think that that's a very important distinction because a a lot of people might not understand the difference of staking on an exchange. For instance, you mentioned Kraken, but there are a variety of other exchanges that offer staking solutions and staking um, in a non-custodial way. So by self-custodying your assets. um, And 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 maybe just just to jump here um, on the Kraken example, because I think it's a really good example. If Kraken would have used a solution provided by uh, Ledger Enterprise in Kiln um, to basically manage all their staking operation on chain in a fully transparent way, um, no opaque governance, um, maybe the SEC would have uh, looked at this product very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so so obviously right now we're offering um, our products um, with Ledger for retail users uh, on the live, but if you are an enterprise as well, if you're an exchange, um, you might want to switch um, your staking operations from this opaque, uh, we call it omnibus. So, you know, uh, um, um, you, you, you put a lot of different funds in the one wallet um, and you don't showcase that transparently to the user um, while just, you know, doing it completely on chain in a non-custodial way, fully auditable uh, using Ledger Enterprise Custody and, and our solution mm-hmm. uh, uh, VR smart contracts. Exactly, exactly right. So it really, to Adler's point, it really comes down to the how do you implement it and how you manage your users' assets and how you offer these types of services where these distinctions are going to be hugely important in differentiating. And frankly, like there, there's no blame here, right? There's been no regulatory guidance, right? These are very difficult uh, and painstaking technical capabilities that take a very long time to develop Right. So people uh, create models that help them scale those capabilities. And in, in, in some cases, those models, uh, you know, take some shortcuts. Right. Uh, you know, not necessarily exposing people's assets, but, you know, there's different touch points. Uh, so, you know, we're really uh, together with Kiln and, and others in the business of providing the right tools to empower organizations to create staking solutions properly. Right. In the correct way. Uh, where the user is completely protected, right? And we would bring the highest level of consumer protection uh, into the ecosystem. So that combination of ease of use uh, and ease of adoption with the right scalability and governance capabilities is going to be critical moving forward. That, that's a really great point. And, and you did a pretty good episode on, on Ledger Enterprise a few weeks ago with Ian. But for the people that haven't listened to this episode, uh, what's the difference between Ledger Enterprise and Ledger Products? Uh, what you know, we talk about governance, but what does it mean? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Mo. So I think the the way to describe it very simply, uh, you know, hopefully the uh, the audience understands Ledger and the Ledger Nano and the concept of self custody, right? So about eight years ago, Ledger solved a very fundamental challenge in the crypto ecosystem. Uh, we created a hardware wallet that does really two things: it secures your keys. Right. And then it provides you a secure interface and secure compute capability to sign transactions with those keys without the keys ever leaving the device. Right. So we're completely isolating your private key materials, right, which is critical. Uh, But we're also offering you what you see is what you sign capability where on the device you see exactly what transaction you're signing and how you're interacting with the network. That eliminates any man-in-the-middle phishing attacks and completely isolates and protects your private key materials. Those are, you know, very simple things 
but very difficult to solve uh, in, a, in a scalable model. So uh, Ledger was you know, very successful in that, and that, that shows by the adoption of the, of the uh, Ledger hardware wallet that we've seen uh, with over 6 million devices sold and uh, securing a very large percentage of crypto globally. But that does come with a certain challenge, right, is that the Ledger hardware wallet was designed for a single user. One person, right, one Laszlo, one device, one key phrase, one set of keys, full self-custody. You know, Laszlo can grab it with him, put it in his backpack, take it on a plane, right? He's the only one that knows the pin, and he has full sovereignty over the assets associated with that wallet, which is great. But the challenge is Laszlo runs a company, right? He's not just touching his own assets. And as much as a, as a great CEO Laszlo is, he frankly shouldn't want the accountability and responsibility of holding all of his company's assets on his nano, where he knows the pin and there's no checks and balances and governance framework to be able to do so. And his shareholders probably also don't want that, right? And right now, that is not a problem that you can solve for with a Ledger retail wallet. Uh, but it is a problem that you can solve for with the Ledger Enterprise B2B solution. So we designed a solution that has the same concepts. It's still self-custody. Uh, we still secure your private key materials. Uh, we still provide you with secure compute and the secure screen to do what you see is what you sign across a wide range of different operations. But we do so in a way where we empower teams to execute transactions with operational governance, uh, clear uh, and segmented workflows, and a very wide range of scalability factors, right? So companies like Kiln process hundreds, if not millions of transactions on behalf of their users or to support their use cases, right? They need reporting, they need governance, they need to report to regulators, they need to report to their clients, they need to operate their business at scale, and they need to have teams of users uh, that are able to do that. And all of that needs to be coordinated with governance, controls, security, right? So that uh, they have full predictability and full operational control uh, of their crypto assets. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's exactly the platform that we build. So it's security with securing your keys, uh, operational governance, full reporting capability. And through that framework, what we do is we open up the capabilities to do multiple interactions with blockchains to create the right use cases, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's DeFi, staking, send, receive, treasury management, NFT management, uh, very different use cases and very different interactions with the blockchain, same governance, uh, same security, uh, same framework. So that's kind of enabling the enterprise on an enterprise level to be able to interact with the world of Web3, benefit from all of its services while having the security of the Ledger Nano and the governance model that enables you to become so much more redundant uh, in how you manage uh, the treasury of, of a company. And, and Laszlo, before we deep dive into like Kiln for Ledger Enterprise, um, actually it started off with Ledger Live uh, in Q4 of last year. And it's fair to say that despite the 32 ETH uh, minimum threshold, it has been a massive success. Uh, to date, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are more than 1,500 validators taking about 55,000 ETH, which is about $88 million. Amazing, to be honest. Um, I'm wondering first, you know, why the 32 ETH threshold and, and multiples? Just on the previous question as well, I can mention that my investors 
and colleagues are happy that uh, I'm not uh, putting all the, the company's transaction in a simple nano in my backpack uh, and, and, and I applied governance to it. So in that sense, uh, Ledger Enterprise uh, solve a big problem for companies. Coming back on the Ledger Live product that we launched, um, yeah, um, I think, so first of all, why 32 ETH, right? Um, it's a technical uh, issue or at least a t technical um, criteria on the protocol. Um, you have two different kinds of staking protocols. One, they call it delegated proof of stake, where you uh, can put as much, you can stake as much as assets on a single validator. Um, so let's take, for example, Solana, where uh, you have 2,000 validators on the network and you can stake any, you can delegate any amount of soul you want on a specific, uh, uh, on one machine, uh, on one validator that is, that is deployed in a cloud provider. Um, Ethereum has this concept of pure proof of stake. The reason for that is that they want to keep the architecture of the protocol as decentralized as possible. So any 32 ETH, you have to spin up a new validator on the network. Um, so the main reason why we launched first um, batches of 30 feet for the user, it was because it, it was um, for us, um, um, you know, simpler to, to launch um, as a first product on Ledger Live. Also, because there's a, a lot of um, um, a big uh, Ethereum holders, um, uh, you know, using Nano. So we were kind of confident that this product will be, uh, would have been a, a success. Uh, and as you mentioned, 55,000 ETH staked um, in, in a couple of months. Uh, we, we think that's quite a success. And yeah, going forward, um, maybe more um, you, Alex, and myself would be even happier if we can stake any amount of ETH uh, using a nanos uh, via the Ledger Live. So we'll, we'll launch pooling um, actually in, in, in less than two months. So you will be able to, um, to stake any amount. Um, Amazing. That's the second version of the product uh, we, we're launching on the Live. I think a lot of people will be happy to hear that. Um, and you know, something that's currently uh, in progress, I would say, is the Shanghai upgrade, which will enable validators to withdraw ETH uh, staked as far back as December 2020, um, when the Beacon chain was was first launched. Um, how, how do you think that will impact Kiln uh, and the ETH staking industry in a more general sense? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a massive, um, massive change um, in the uh, ETH staking ecosystem and in, in the Ethereum uh, ecosystem in general. Um, as you mentioned, the Bitcoin chain launched, so you, you uh, were able to stake um, since December 2020. Um, right now, um, you have approximately 15% of all um, ETH supply that uh, are being staked. We think at maturity, it's going to go up to 60, maybe 70%. If you look at other very mature uh, mm -hmm. proof of stake networks, such as Solana, Cardano, Polkadot, this is kind of like the ratio we, we are uh, seeing. The reason we haven't uh, reached this ratio is that um, today and until Shanghai, um, you weren't able to unstake your assets, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because of security reasons, uh, because obviously we had to, to see the merge happening, uh, transitioning from proof of work to proof of stake, and, and, and then you know, many other kind of little updates uh, that will actually happen uh, during Shanghai. So during Shanghai, you will be able to finally uh, unstake your 30 GVs plus the rewards, um, that are on the execution layer, uh, which actually you were already able to, to, to do or, or, or the consensus layer, you will be also able to maybe just um, take the, the, the rewards and not unstake the all. So let's say you have, I don't know, 
34 ETH on a validator, um, 32 plus 2 ETH of rewards, you'll be able to take the 2 ETH and, and keep the, the, the validator running on the 32. Um, and yeah, we because of that, um, because of this liquidity, um, we see, we expect um, a lot of ETH being staked quickly after Shanghai. Um, we did um, um, a survey uh, with um, 100 um, major institutions, some uh, using Ledger Enterprise, um, of you know how they will, will be willing to stake the asset after Shanghai. And um, I think 68% uh, mentioned they will they will stake uh, after Shanghai. 70% of this 68% will say we we want to stake a few weeks after. Um, so yeah, we we really expect um, to see a, a lot of um, um, a lot of demand for you staking uh, after this event. It doesn't mean that you will be able to unstake your asset instantly, right? There's still we call it the security queue. Um, so when you want to unstake your assets, you have to enter the queue and there's 1,500 validators that can be unstaked per day. So if there's a lot of uh, validators that want to be to unstake it after, after, after the event, maybe the queue will take um, uh, a few weeks, uh, but obviously still um, much better than before. Um, you will be able to finally be liquid. Makes sense. Alex, what's your take on that? Do you think, you know, institutions will have now the right infrastructure and the incentive to start staking more ETH? Are you seeing more traction on your end? 100%. Uh, 100%. I think adoption is going to um, really skyrocket. Um, we're super bullish overall on proof of stake uh, as a concept and, and proof of stake uh, networks and protocols. Uh, we offer a wide range of staking capabilities across different protocols, but I think Obviously, Ethereum, based on its size and adoption levels and the overall um, you know, weight of the community, uh, is being watched very closely. And I think it's a very big opportunity both for, for Ethereum and the crypto ecosystem as a whole. Um, and uh, honestly, I have to be very, um, um, you know, I'm very confident that the indicators that we have as to how this whole transition has been handled by the mm -hmm. network and the developer community uh, is, you know, it, it, this is a very difficult thing to do and execute and it's been managed incredibly well. Uh, and we have very high levels of confidence that the transition is going to go smoothly. Uh, and it does open up a very significant opportunity for institutions to really step in and participate in the community uh, and provide the right services for the Ethereum ecosystem to be able to continue to scale and offer a wide range of different utility use cases. Uh, for us, and, and, and for me personally, I've been kind of observing this space for a long period of time now, this is really the right step in something that I like to call a shift from speculation uh, to value creation, right? And this is what we've been observing uh, as a whole. And I think that the market is actually starting to really represent that, that movement. Um, is, you know, a lot of the activity that we've seen uh, historically uh, in, in crypto uh, has been speculatory in nature. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? It's just the way that the industry has evolved and developed from a financial services perspective. Uh, but the exciting transition for us being a company that invests in technology uh, and security is the broadening of that, you know, speculatory capabilities into real long-term value creation utility use cases. Uh, and I think there's a really a lot to be said in the combination of, 
you know, the developments in the NFT space, the entrance of some of the larger corporate players into the ecosystem, you know, look at Nike's success, um, you know, look at what, what others have been doing in this space. Uh, we just had a Salesforce announcement. Uh, so there's a lot of really big names, mm -hmm. Fortune 100 companies coming into this space and really unlocking utility for their users and for their retail audiences and leveraging some of these distributed technologies. Yeah. Uh, and I think, in my opinion, the movement to proof of stake really highlights the opportunity for these guys to come in and also invest and contribute to the operation of the network that they're using to support their users. Right. And that's going to be a really critical difference. Uh, it's not about trading. Right. It's not about, uh, you know, price discovery and market making across exchanges, you know, those things have to exist. Those types of financial services have to exist. Uh, DeFi needs to continue to flourish, but it now has a real reason. Uh, and the real reason is the utility use cases that will support millions of users with NFTs, with token gating, with, with wide range of identity use cases that we mm. haven't even envisioned. Uh, and having the ability to um, invest alongside the creation of the utility capabilities into proof of stake models, right? And, and allowing uh, larger companies to manage their treasury with staking as a component uh, of that treasury management is going to be very critical. It's such a value unlock when you think about it, like aside from all of these corporations and brands entering the space to expand their product line with digital collectibles and digital assets. If you add staking on top of it, it just starts making a lot of sense. And speaking about that, like uh, to your point, we're seeing Nike, we've seen you know Starbucks, we've seen almost every single luxury brand or fashion brand out there thinking about how they're going to be making their first moves into the space of digital collectibles and Web3. Um, it kind of reminds me of the, you know, on, on a much wider and more amplified scale, the digital transition, for, you know, from, from Web 1 to Web 2, and now is the transition from Web 2 to Web 3. Um, what do you think those different corporations need in order to achieve, successfully achieve their Web 3 transition? Obviously, there is the, the infrastructure, but I assume there are a lot, there's a lot more than the infrastructure um, that, that is needed for that transition. 100%. Uh, you know, there's still a lot that needs to be done. We're still very early on in the adoption cycle. And, uh, you know, the, the, it, it, but the trends that we're seeing are hugely, hugely positive. I think one thing I wanted to make sure that we, we make an important connection here, because, you know, we are talking about staking, is that, you know, I think the fundamental shift, and we need to continue to invest in education to make sure that the, the entrants and the larger corporates really do understand that, that, you know, that paradigm shift. Uh, and then the retail user base at scale starts to really understand the paradigm shift. Uh, and that shift is very simple, right? The security of these networks, specifically when we're talking about proof of stake, is directly correlated and dependent on the value that is locked into the networks themselves, right? And then secondarily, it is also, the security is also dependent on the distribution of that value, right? And not the concentration of it. Uh, and that's an important thing to highlight, right? A lot of the critical failures that we've been seeing over the last six months, and now also in the traditional financial ecosystem in the US, which has been amazing to watch, has been due to centralization of risk. Right. Um, no, that was the primary driver with FTX. That's been the primary driver with the, with the bank runs that we've been seeing in the US. Uh, and that's the primary catalyst for regulators now taking a much more serious look. In fact, 
the education has come so far that the regulators are saying, hey, guys, the promise of crypto is distribution. The promise of crypto is DeFi. Please do not use it as a mechanism to circumvent regulation and offer centralized financial services on top of crypto assets, right? That is not going to fly, uh, which to me and to Ledger and to Kiln, I'm not going to speak too much for Laszlo, but I assume he's a client there. Uh, this is the right momentum, right? That's the right vision. Uh, we need to preserve the concept of self-custody. We need to continue to educate the retail user base. Uh, you know, the guy that's going to, you know, buy his next Air Jordans with an NFT prepass, right, uh, needs to understand that if this thing represents value to you as an individual, you should invest in self-custodying that value, right, and distributing and managing and owning your own risk. Uh, and your own custody and your own value capabilities. Uh, and that same concept applies to the major brands and organizations. If you're going to offer those services to your very valuable retail users and you're going to put your brand on the line, right, because you want to offer them a good service because there is the brand association that's there, you also need to take your own custody and governance and capabilities into your own hands uh, and make sure that you're doing that correctly and you're contributing to the networks that you're leveraging to execute these types of use cases. You're participating in the community uh, and you can do that with staking uh, and you can do that with self-custody and not just delegating that responsibility to a financial institution like a bank. Absolutely. Laszlo, what's your take on that? No, no, um, it's a very good point. I couldn't agree more. Um, we had this discussion several times with Alex, uh, you know, over coffee in Paris. And I think we always had the kind of the same vision there. Um, we, what traditional finance uh, brought and, and the, the limit of it, um, the crisis and, and what we've seen with, um, with, the, with the recent bank run uh, that you were mentioning, Alex, is really opaque governance of, of um, you know money management um, is is really um, about centralized failure of, of several humans uh, using the, this money in a um, in, in in not the right way and and what staking and also DeFi does not only staking is bringing is really um, this decentralized way of governing uh, money this transparent way of, of um, showing to the user uh, what's actually happening to the to, to the funds that they have staked or they have uh, collateralized in, in, in any DeFi pools, um, and I think um, yeah, I think it, it will completely change the um, the financial uh, industry and 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 then not trying to come back to um, you know past models uh, using uh, sometimes centralized vendors um, that are just new banks handling your your crypto for yourself, uh, not your keys, not your coins. So. We, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll see um, other products uh, right now on staking, but in the future um, uh, around DeFi as well, because DeFi brings transparent, secure, um, and great yields um, in, in crypto. Um, we'll, we'll launch different products with Ledger, uh, Ledger Enterprise uh, for these institutions to, uh, to be exposed to the safest and most tra transparent yield. You were talking about NFTs as well. Um, we, you can see the problem of... of um, you know, when you, I mean, the the, chat, the, the good thing of um, staking a validator 30 ETH is that you, you have one validator that is deployed somewhere. It's very close to the protocol. It's it's less risky than some uh, liquid staking products. Um, but still, when you stake your assets, as I mentioned, you have to wait for the exit queue to happen. 
So um, we are working on, on a product with Ledger uh, of generating an NFT um, to represent this validator. Um, and um, so this NFT will maybe enable you to um, put put it on collateral in, in DeFi. Uh, so you, you have your validator of 30 ETH that is earning yields, putting on collateral in DeFi, or just sell it uh, on different uh, uh, NFT marketplaces. So you can, you can have instant liquidity instead of just waiting for you to unstake uh, several weeks uh, in the queue. Uh, so that's that's also a product we, we're going to work together with Ledger. But again, in the same vision of uh, let's reinvent the financial industry, let's make it more decentralized, let's make it more uh, transparent, uh, and let's make it uh, non-custodial in so many aspects. That's actually a great point. I think transparency is such a such a you know core value proposition that's so strong within the space. I was actually listening to Jeremy Lair uh, on Bankless right before I, we started this podcast, and he said something that really resonated with me, which is that now we're getting to a place where uh, instead of crypto being a systemic risk for the traditional financial world, it's kind of starting to be the other way around uh, because of that transparency that we can really check and understand the reserves of uh, of these different you know institutions and, and protocols and hopefully that will also enable us to start um you know creating solutions that um target these different friction points that we're seeing um and and that's that's definitely something that a lot of people have realized after the current crisis that we're currently going through 100 oh, and, and jeremy is brilliant in this regard amazing I, I love having those conversations with him and it's very important that you highlight this because like, you know, a network is only as sound, right, and only as reliable as its weakest link, right? And that really is a fundamental challenge that we experience. And this is why Ledger and players like Kiln are fully committed to offering services and technical capabilities to make sure that the weakest link is strong, right? And we're leveraging the right technology to empower people to build the best use cases, leveraging the right network capabilities uh, and making sure that in the process, they provide the best possible consumer experience and consumer protection to their user base, right? And those are critical aspects. It's what we do every day, right? And we've been, we've been talking about this for a while and this is why we will always continue to be a security and a technology company. We're not in this to make a quick buck, right? And turn over some Bitcoin and build some financial services where people make some yield, right? We're in this to build sound technical capabilities that support the development of these networks and these ecosystems for the long term. Uh, and it's it's brilliant for me to be working with partners like Laszlo and Kiln to make steps and big strides to see these networks flourish, right? And see the capabilities that we bring to mass market. So what does the f near future look like for you guys? What's on the roadmap? Um, yeah, I mean, um, as I mentioned, we, we, we the, the beauty of working with Ledger, frankly, I have to say, um, since a year and a half now, and a lot of uh, team members on both sides, um, is that we have been building um, unique, incredible products, uh, always going towards offering the best uh, transparent yield um, decentralized uh, to our users is a retail institution. So the future is um, we we would love to uh, to launch new features, as I'm saying, pulling on, on Ledger Live or NFTs for those that that have stakes 32 ETH, um, uh, so they they maybe can seek uh, early liquidity or composite in DeFi with this NFT. 
uh, maybe even thinking of, as I mentioned uh, earlier, different products around DeFi, uh, staking is the first yield, but then you have uh, a bunch of other yields that are transparent and secure as well in DeFi. And, and we've been uh, thinking about that for, for several months with Alex. Um, and, and yeah, just, um, um, you know, bringing um, that to um, a million a billion users, right? I would love to see nanos uh, in, or at least ledger products in the future could be nanos or anything um, to, to billion users. And I would love to see these users um, using uh, staking and DeFi yields um, through uh, through the ledger live and, and, and through the ledger products. Thank you, Laszlo. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I think, you know, very clearly we're continuing to work towards improving the user experience and grow the adoption, right? So self-custody, for individual users, for retail, self-custody for companies and organizations through B2B, and working and building with partners like Laszlo and with our customers to make sure that we're in the best position to empower crypto companies, both crypto native and new entrants, to bring the best possible experience to the crypto user community. Right. And, and bridging that gap between the two is, a, is the most exciting thing uh, that, that, that I get to do every day, which is which is amazing. And working with partners that help us unlock that capability like skills is uh, is super rewarding. Amazing. So b before we wrap up, I, I'd like to ask you a, a question. Imagine you were able to solve one challenge related to the Web3 and blockchain ecosystem in the snap of a finger. What would it be? Um, that's a hard one. I can, I can, I can start. Um, I mean, I think, I think, um, at some point, maybe one, two years ago was scalability was a big thing, but now, now I see a lot of L2s, um, interesting products around Ethereum, all the chains, um, I don't know, Arbitrum, uh, Optimism, Starkware. I think we're getting there. I guess the next big challenge in the next uh, year, two years, three years is, is getting more and more users in Web3 uh, without sometimes users even realizing uh, they use the security and the centralized aspects of Web3. So UX um, is a big thing, um, you know, making, making users um, access these apps with a simple password as they used to in Web2. Um, great password uh, recovery instead of like using the 24 words. Um, and I, I know, you know, you at Ledger, you're working on uh, various different products, again, to, to get this uh, billion users uh, to, to access Web3 in a secure way. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you will launch exciting products on that front. But yeah, UX, I think, is, is one of the main uh, biggest challenge that still uh, remains to, to be solved. And, uh, and I'm, I'm confident uh, that uh, it will be solved in coming years. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of stay to your governance requirements, Mo, one, one thing uh, would be scale, okay. right? Uh, scale is the one critical variable that we need to solve for, but we need to do that securely uh, with the right governance, with the right capabilities. And the biggest blocker for me, so the one thing that I would say if we could solve for that we can achieve scale mm -hmm. is education and awareness, mm -hmm. right? And the basic premise is the tools exist. We know because we built them. Make sure that the world understands that and starts to use them actively, then we can get secure scale and adoption at scale. Perfect way to end it. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the future of uh, Kiln and Ledger, both of them together, solving security, governance, and 
scalability solutions and adding value to you know the overall ecosystem thanks so much for having us thank you guys pleasure as always that's it Staking is clearly one of those fascinating innovations that align stakeholder incentives to add value to the overall network, all while simultaneously strengthening it. And Ledger Enterprise is glad to be accompanying you along its way. On the Ledger, we'll be back soon with some of your favorite content. In the meantime, stay safe. Till next time, au revoir. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.